0: Learn more at marines.com. What's going on you guys? So, we got another collab for you guys between the Homefield podcast. I'm the host Kyle Dabro.
1: What's going on, everybody? I'm Kevin Valentin coming in for the host of the 104.6 at 1 podcast. And today we are, like Kyle said, doing a breaking news story for the James Harden to Brooklyn trade. Kyle, what you got for me, dog? All
0: right, so I'm just going to pull up the trade as it stands right now. So obviously, if you guys haven't heard, James Harden has now become a Brooklyn Net after there was a three-team trade that included the Brooklyn Nets, the Houston Rockets, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So as it stands, Brooklyn uh, acquires James Harden, Karis LeVert, Dante Exum, rodanius I probably screwed up his name, rodanius Kyricks, four first-round picks and a couple uh, pick swaps. They go to the Rockets, and then the trade finishes up with Jared Allen and Torian Prince going to the Cavs. And then after that trade was completed, Houston was able to work out a package deal that would send Victor Oladipo to Houston in exchange for Karis LeVert. So that is where the trade stands right now. It's already finalized, should be ready to go. And all the all the teams are now set with the players from this trade. So Kev, let me um let me get your reaction or your response to
1: this trade overall. Ugh. I would say it was expected, but not expected this quickly. I would say it was madness uh, with Woj constantly reporting in the last 48 hours of, you know, trade talks heating up, suitors continuing to, you know, make make, uh, applications, so to speak, to get Houston to entice them to send James over to their team. For the longest, I genuinely thought it was going to be James going to Philly because of the relationship with the former GM over there now in Philly. And uh, Darryl Moore, right? That's his name?
0: Yeah, Daryl Moore. He's now the uh, the president of basketball operations with the Sixers.
1: For the longest, I definitely thought that was going to happen. And then the, the escapade with Kyrie and Kyrie being himself, like we talked about yesterday with Tyree. Uh, I figured he would end up sliding over to Brooklyn. And it just, it happened within, I don't know what, le- way less than 24 hours of us recording. And... Mm-hmm. The pieces that were sent were not surprising. I'm surprised that Kyrie remained on the roster. But mm-hmm. uh if I had to put a if I had to put a, a grade on it, I don't I don't really know yet. It it really depends. I mean there were a lot of pieces given up. There were a lot of picks given up. It's like we mm-hmm. talked about a couple months ago who the NBA for whatever reason is given up first round picks like it's underwear. But mm-hmm. it's uh I would have to say Houston wins this trade solely, basically, because they got Victor Olin Depot on that squad and John Wall and Demarcus Cousin and Christian Woods, who's coming out, and they got rid of uh, a cancer on the team. I mean, John Wall said in an interview last night, straight up, he was like, If you don't want to buy in, I don't know what's going on. We're nine games in. It seemed like the two of them were subliminally messaging each other, kind of like through their interviews. So to me, I genuinely think Houston wins the trade. Uh, we can get into further details a little bit later, but I, I got to know what you're thinking, man, because I know this threw me for a whole ass loop today. Well, I'll
0: tell you this. So I was watching the game last night between Houston and the Lakers, and I can pretty much tell from the get-go, because, I mean, it happened within the first quarter. And the Lakers were up by, like, 20 points at the end of the first quarter. And, I mean, LeBron was on fire – KCP was on fire and it just seemed like pretty much the Lakers were just knocking down shots left and right. And it just seems like Houston was just so out of sorts. Even James Harden. I, I don't even remember his point total from last night, but he, I mean, he was pretty much done by the middle part of the third quarter. I don't remember seeing him on the court at any point during the, during the fourth quarter. Just, it, it seems like the players on Houston already knew where James's head was where his mindset was it was not on the court because I think at that point he would pretty much just concluded that you know what it's not going to work out here and it's time for me to get out of here and then he pretty pretty much that thought was essentially confirmed during the uh, post-game press conference where he pretty much wrapped up that that press conference fairly quickly and like the sense that I got from that that conference was that he was essentially saying like his little goodbye speech to Houston. Cause I mean, he, he basically said like, you know, I've done everything that I can for the city, for this team, but it's, he was basically saying it's just, it's not going to work out uh, anymore for me here. And to kind of like piggyback off of your point, I was really surprised that that Houston was able to work out this trade really quickly. They had been trying to get that trade somewhat set in stone, probably before the season because they knew that Harden was not participating in um, the the training camps before or the practices before the season started. So they had probably already had something kind of set already, but they were finally able to iron out the details with, um, with Brooklyn and then uh, Cleveland as a third team as well. I mean, just looking at the trade itself, I, I like what Houston picks up here. Like you said, they get rid of the cancer in the locker room with Harden now Brooklyn has to potentially deal with his antics moving forward for the rest of the season. And then potentially even beyond the season. Um, Just the, the picks here that, that Houston gets, I mean, first four round picks. I mean, that's, that's an, a crazy amount of picks. At, and I just think that Houston overall is going to be just fine with us. Now it is going to be interesting to see how Houston moves forward with all these, players who are very injury prone because Marcus cousins has already had a torn ACL, had a torn Achilles. He, he cannot jump like he used to he just, he just does not have the same explosion um, like he used to when he was with Sacramento. And then obviously look at John Wall. John Wallace had knee issues pretty much the last two seasons. That's basically taken two years away from his career. And then you add Victor Oladipo with that package deal from Indiana same thing he tore his quad about a year and a half ago and he's still he's still trying to get like his legs under like you could tell a a part of it may just be like everybody's still trying to get in the game shape this this season just based off of all the the craziness that took place with uh, the season getting interrupted by COVID this past year so I, I think Victor Oladipo is still kind of getting in the game shape and I think it'll probably take at least a month or two for him to really get his legs underneath him because i mean he was a he was a scratch last night. I forget who they were playing. Um actually i think they were playing the warriors so but he was a scratch. Um yeah overall i i like Houston in this trade. However though we got to talk about Brooklyn. Brooklyn has James Harden, KD and Kyrie. I mean those three players by themselves, i mean they're all superstars in their own right and they're all going to be Hall of Famers. They all have the stats to prove it. They, obviously, uh, Kyrie and KD have the championship cachet attached uh, to them. So they know what it takes to win champions, uh, championships. James still hasn't been able to get one. But I think with with this trade, though, it really does set up Brooklyn extremely nicely for pretty much going to the finals this year. Um, I do think though that they are going to have to build up their bench just because that, I mean, you lost Jared Allen, Karis sliver and Dante Exum. So I, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of movement I'm going to potentially see with Brooklyn moving forward. And, and they lost Prince. Oh yeah. And Prince as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if Brooklyn isn't done moving pieces yet. So we'll kind of get it, we'll get a little bit more into that later, but um I like this trade with Houston. I, I think I think both parties end up pretty well here. Um Brooklyn's probably gonna go to the finals and Houston. Houston still is a viable team. So they 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 have a decent amount of pieces. They get rid of the locker room distraction and James Harden. And I think just for Houston's sake, now they just focus on basketball. Now Silas can actually run the team without constantly answering questions about James Harden's uh, antics on and off the court. So I'll tell you this though, and this is just kind of like my perspective on it. um, You got to feel for the strippers in Houston because they're just not going to have the (laughs) same losing James Harden. Those strippers are going to be hurting in in Houston just because I don't think that any of the players
1: are the source of income.
0: Yeah. But I'll tell you this though, Brooklyn is picking up a solid, a solid dude who's going to hit the strip clubs pretty much every weekend. Um, also, pretty much any restaurant in Brooklyn needs to probably start offering uh, all you can eat deals for James Harden just because I saw him in warm ups last night and dude, he was he was looking like Eddie Lacey out there. And even one of the uh, the commentators that was doing the pregame, he, he said he said James Harden definitely had a pregame meal before coming into the game, before.
1: But, yeah, yeah. I'm funny. just
0: like. I, I remember the one guy, like, in the background, he was laughing. He was saying, dude, chill out. Like, chill out. Like, you can't be saying that. But, I mean, it's true that Harden it just looks out of sh- He looks so out of shape right now. I mean, he, he's going to have to probably lose 10 to 15 pounds. um, If he wants to compete, yeah, and keep up. But let me ask you, so moving forward for the rest of the year, um, which team do you think – uh, between Houston and Brooklyn is going to make out better.
1: So, like I said, in terms of winning the trade, I stand by what I said with Houston. Now, in terms of season productivity and who goes farther, uh, unfortunately, you, you have to lean towards the three superstars, the three-headed monster that has just formed in Brooklyn. Now, my counter to that is, will Kyrie, to, will Kyrie continue to remain a cancer because you just traded for another cancer. Now mm-hmm. James and KD haven't played together in what eight years. It's it's been at least seven eight years. So it's yeah. That, that... So they have their chemistry to reorganize, and the longer Kyrie stays away, the more games that James and Kevin play, the more repertoire those two are going to create, the more chemistry they're going to formulate. If Kyrie kind of trickles his way back into it too late, I feel like he'll be the third wheel, the third option. In my opinion, he's already the third option. You have two of the best, if not the two best scorers, pure scorers in the NBA on the same team right now. The only negative, like everybody, every analyst has said, um, who's going to take the last shot. Katie's already proven he could be selfless in his experience in Golden State. So I don't know if that's going to be the same now that he's won his championships. So I don't know if he's going to want to be greedy. If Kyrie comes back, is he going to be able to accept the third fiddle role? I don't know on paper. I got to pick Brooklyn because Brooklyn has the three of those players. Houston finds a way to remain relevant by going and adding a to this roster. If they would have just traded away James and kept the roster for what it was, I would say they maybe scrape the eighth seed probably towards the bottom half of the, of the West just because you lose your best player, you get nothing in return but picks. I thought they were going to do like a, what they did with Russell Westbrook. The fact that they went out and made a move and they got picks and they got swaps just goes to show that Salas and whatever the boys is doing out there in Houston are smart because they have not only a team for the future – They have two superstars locked up on their team for the foreseeable future and John Wall with the remainder of his contract and Victor Oladipo. That is a pretty nice tandem backcourt. So Brooklyn goes farther in the postseason. If the three of those idiots can get their head out of their asses, Houston finds a way to stay within the bottom three seeds of the sixth, seventh and eighth seed in the West.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty much going to I'm pretty much with you on this. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with Kyrie moving forward, just because it's like we talked about the other day Kyrie's availability has just been so checkered over the last year and a half or so. And it really, it's just more the same this year. And there's a very real possibility that he's going to be, he's going to end up being moved. And honestly, I think for Brooklyn's, from Brooklyn's perspective, it's a viable option just because they do need to kind of rebuild at least they're benched to a certain extent after moving all of these pieces that they did with this James Harden trade. So I oh, think is out with that ACL injury too. Yeah. So he's not coming back. So as far as I'm concerned, Kyrie, unless Kyrie commits to the team, and that is questionable right now, I think Brooklyn's probably looking at trades right now. And I'll tell you what, look, they, they will get a decent amount back in return for getting rid of Kyrie, even with all the issues that Kyrie's had over the last year and a half, or especially the last couple of weeks. I mean, look what James Harden was able to get with all the antics that he's been doing the last couple of weeks. I mean, they were able to get a couple of players and then four first round picks and then four uh, pick swaps. And that was somebody who basically had basically quit on the team. And Kyrie's kind of in that same position right now, because I mean, He's partying in Toronto. He's partying, he's not partying, he's, he's doing Zoom calls with people that are working on social uh, justice initiatives right now. So basketball isn't really even a priority for Kyrie as far as I'm concerned. That's just kind of how it appears. Until I actually see him back on the court producing in a major way for the Nets, it's going to be, inter- I just don't see Kyrie staying on that team that, that much longer just because he's not committed to the team and I'll tell you what I it's disrespectful to the players. It's disrespectful to management because they signed that guy to a max contract. He's locked up for four years and he is not living up any way, shape or form to that contract that they gave him. So as far as I'm concerned, Brooklyn has to kind of give him an ultimatum saying, dude, are you in, or are you out? You know, we'll, yep. we'll, we'll extend, we'll give you some leniency to kind of make a decision But we're going to need an answer sooner rather than later because he's going to miss all the games this week. I'd be shocked if he actually comes back next week just because it's been, what, two straight weeks of him not playing with Brooklyn? Well,
1: that and the fact that he was out partying. So he has a a minimum of, I think, the NBA's protocols, five to seven days straight of testing negative. So Yeah, so... We're looking at a minimum of two weeks if he gets his head out of his ass tomorrow. Yeah, so, and, and I just... It's Kyrie, and Kyrie is just.
0: I feel like Kyrie is like. How do I say this? Kyrie is, is one of those people that I really think that he thinks that he's smarter than everybody else, and yeah, like Tyree said yesterday. Pe- pe- but, but because of that, like he doesn't understand why people don't understand him, and I think, like in large part, you were you saw that in the beginning of the year when he was talking to the media talking to the media the way that he was he's calling them remember he called them pawns so it's just Kyrie's kind of in his own head right now I, I just I don't see him changing his ways anytime soon I even saw a report today that his his relationship with with KD has been kind of distant the last few weeks so whether that's true or not we'll see but Things are very shaky with with Kyrie in Brooklyn right now, and it would not shock me if they move him sooner rather than later if he can't commit to that team moving forward.
1: Yeah. Last take on Kyrie, Um, he's got two years remaining on his contract, not including the remainder of this season. Brooklyn obviously owes him pretty much the majority of the rest of that contract. So whoever wants to take on that contract to not only take on a massive hit to your cap and a head case in the locker room, and a distraction throughout the entire season because you don't know if he's going to commit to the team he trades, he gets traded to, it's, it's a hoopla. He's got to go or he's got to buy in, like you said. So I have no idea. But moving on, uh, I, we were talking about this right before the episode, and I found this funny, and obviously other reporters were saying the same thing. Brooklyn has done this twice now where in their existence they have traded away their entire future to win now and the trade that i'm referring to for everybody or to everybody that's not aware was the trade for kevin garnett and paul pierce to come over to brooklyn to play with darren williams Brooke lopez and joe johnson now granted that was a totally different situation with two of those players being on the tail 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 end of their careers however the point is they still gave up in arm and a leg in first round picks to Boston, that that ended up being the what was it, Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum? and Marcus Smart picks? Is It was J- It wasn't Jason Tatum, right? I know Jason was the third overall pick, but was that from Brooklyn? I don't remember necessarily.
0: Well, the three picks, um, I could look at the, the trade here. Um, it looks like just from what I'm reading, uh, the three picks th- this is the article that they had, um, from, from the trade a couple, of, yeah, from a couple of years ago. He said the article says the three picks will come in the 2014, 2016, and 2018 drafts. So I'm assuming one of those is Marcus Smart, and then probably the yeah. other one is is, is probably Jalen Jason Brown. Tatum. No,
1: uh, or, I, think it's, I think it's Jason because Jason was drafted the same year as Lonzo, right. Y-
0: Yes, yeah, because I remember um, people were thinking whether or not the Lakers should take uh, Lonzo Ball or Jason Tatum with the second pick, and they ended up taking Lonzo.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think was it was Jalen Brown in the same draft as Jason Tatum? Wasn't that like the third and the seventh pick or something like that? Then they have like two picks in the same top ten I in year. I could look at. Yeah, I'm quick. sitting here. I'm sitting here bugging out. I, I really thought said so, I remember, but then I started hesitating.
0: So Jalen Brown, he was drafted. and He's God, he's, he's a pup still. He's only twenty four years old,
1: so he was drafted man. in
0: twenty six. He was drafted in twenty sixteen.
1: Okay, so he was one of the picks.
0: Yeah, he was that twenty sixteen pick. Um, and Jason Tatum ended up coming out with twenty. Was it? was a, a twenty eighteen pick. So, I mean, two studs Boston, they got for it. That that was. I mean, it worked out well for Boston in that situation, but freaking the Nets. I mean they got nothing from that trade it, just because it,
1: it, did, it, didn't, it didn't pan out at all. They, they, they should have they won I, one I, I, game I, in that series. Again, I think that year
0: I, I'll tell you what, and I think, I think Brooklyn in that situation got caught up in, well, these guys represent, you know, nothing but champion. They're nothing but like a championship caliber type team with having Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, like those guys, those guys were the major pieces to get that championship for Boston in 2008. Now, if they were able to pull that trade off earlier, maybe a year or two earlier, they could have maybe made some, some noise in the Eastern conference, but those guys, they traded for those guys. Like you said, at the tail end of their careers. Now, the reason why I think we brought up this trade is how does it compare to this one currently? I think, Brooklyn is in a much better position than they were 70 years ago because, because KD because Katie is still in his prime. You got Kyrie, whether he stays or not still in the prime of his career. And James Harden is one of the most productive players in the NBA and arguably the best offensive force in the league, just based off of the production that he was able to get when Mike D'Antoni was a coach in Houston. So I think that he Houston, said Houston, Brooklyn is in a much better position and you can make a case that they have three of the top 10 players in the team, uh, three of the top 10 yeah. players in the league on their team. So mm-hmm. you couldn't say that back when uh, they picked up Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, those guys were in their mid thirties at that point. Katie's only 31, 32 years old. James is only 30. And then Kyrie, I think is still in his twenties. So those guys still have a bunch of years left, and those guys are hitting essentially the best part of their career, basically the pinnacle of their career right now as far as their, their productivity goes. So, like, like I said, I think Brooklyn has a really good shot to make it to the finals this year just based off the, the caliber of those three guys on the same team. Whether Kyrie stays or not, we'll see. I think, honestly, it probably behooves Brooklyn to con- to really kind of find what's out there. If they can get some pieces back, if they can move Kyrie, just because I think having those three guys, they're very top heavy. You you know, you're going to need a bench going into the playoffs and you know, unless Steve Nask can work out a rotation with all three of those guys, if they end up, if everybody ends up staying, that'd be great. But they're pretty, they look pretty weak as far as I'm concerned, really like looking at their bench right now, just, I don't think they really have a lot of pieces to work with, but they're very top-heavy with their starters. So
1: yeah, that that second like unit is very much depleted with Dinwiddie hurt, Jared Allen gone, and Chris Caris uh, treat being traded over there. So, so it's but uh, it, it, you go ahead. No, I was going to say it's. It's a cluster of nonsense when you really think about it, just because, like you said, being so top heavy, you would you would really figure that their bench is weak. But I mean, depending on how you rotate their starters, I mean, DeAndre Jordan is defensive presence and a rebounder. He's not really an offensive threat. Uh, If you go small ball and put KD at the four, if not the five, it really depends. You could run. Uh, Tyler Johnson out there at the Juan Kyrie. I mean, I, it really depends. You have you have Joe... What's that guy's name? Joe Harris. Joe, Joe Harris. Best, yeah, a sharpshooter out there as well. He's in the starting rotation, but I'm just saying it It really depends on the personnel that's remaining on the staff. But Their starting I, five I think, is great. Their starting five is great. My God, it's scary. Lakers in five. <laughs>
0: We're, I'm going to grab a... Lakers I'm in i will get, get a black and mild real quick. Pull my Shannon face real quick, but yeah, I, I think to right to now. Going club
1: Shay Shay, there we go. Yeah,
0: well, you know what? <laughs> it, it, it 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 depends because I mean he could be serving up hot els if freaking Kyrie gets traded. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're definitely that, That's the component that really stands out to me is whether or not Kyrie stays or not. Yep. And that's to right. me, the and conclusion. to me, if they can't get full full commitment from him moving forward, you got to get rid of him, and. I I don't even – it's like we were talking about earlier. I just don't think that he's committed to basketball right now. It's not his priority. If it was was a priority of his right now, he'd be there. He'd be in the gym right now freaking shooting or coming off a game and, you know, just trying to recover for either a back-to-back or the next game that they have on their schedule. But he's a head case. I think if Brooklyn was smart, I, I would try to move him if they can get a really good deal for him. And he will get a good package. Like, if James Harden was able to get the package that he was able to get, Kyrie will definitely get the same. People will take on Kyrie and all the problems that he has, just but just because it's Kyrie Irving. And he's probably he has the best handles in the league as far as I'm concerned. So
1: Yeah. But you know, to shift it to some other guards, some other good guards in the league that did make moves. We have Caris Levert going over to Indiana, and like we had spoken about earlier, Victor coming over to Houston. Uh, Mm -hmm. Between the two of those teams, who do you think got the better one of the guards?
0: It's a tough one, because I tell you this, I like Indiana. Indiana's got a solid squad, and now you add somebody like Harris Levert on that squad. I'm going to give the edge to Indiana, simply because I just I can't rely on Victor Oladipo's health. Now you can make the same case that Carol Levert is kind of like in a similar situation. I believe he tore his ACL a couple years ago when he was with the Nets. If I remember correctly.
1: Not i I'm not too familiar with Chris, to be honest with you. I just started following him, I think maybe last I, I, year. I, maybe. I, if if I remember correctly, I believe he tore his ACL a couple years ago.
0: I think this was maybe like 2018. I might be wrong on that. So but <sighs> You can honestly make a very good case that I think both teams just kind of make out decent in, in the in the trade because both of those guys yeah. do have health concerns. Obviously, Victor Oladipo, he's coming off that torn quad a couple of years ago. Still doesn't have his legs fully underneath him yet, but he could still produce. I mean, I mean, just looking at his stats, I mean, even before he got hurt, I mean, he was still averaging a solid points per game average with Indiana. I mean just looking at even with this year so far, I mean, he was averaging 20 points and then that was 20 points this season. Obviously he had 14 and a half coming off the, the quad injury from the year before, but the year that he tore his quad, he was still averaging almost 19 points a game. And then the year before he was averaging 23 and then kick it to Karis. Karis was actually playing pretty well for Brooklyn. Just looking at his stats, he was averaging He's averaging around 18 points a game the last two seasons with that he was with Brooklyn. His career average, he's averaging 13 points per game. So he's no scrub. He's been getting he's better getting, every year, he, though. He's he's sure. definitely been improving. So you look at these guys, I think from a productivity standpoint, it's pretty much a wash. Um I just like Indiana's team overall, just because just Houston's team is just stacked with guys who have just questionable health. Uh, issues DeMarcus Cousins ha- has had his issues John Walls had his issues Indiana at least has some guys that they can rely on because they're available you got Malcolm Brogdon you got Miles Turner and you got um oh what's his name the bonus, uh, it's a, it's a bonus. bonus. Hooping. so so and, and I mean they just beat the Warriors last night so I mean I, right now they're sitting at 704 and you know, as far as I'm concerned, they're, they're a solid team in the Eastern Conference. So you add somebody like Karis LeVert to that team, I think they're going to be just fine. I think Indiana is probably going to end up making out better than, than Houston as far as their record goes. But as for the trade itself, I think it's a
1: wash. Yeah, they kind of even themselves out when it comes down to it. I mean, it's funny because we keep forgetting the 13 that was involved in the original trade and – Uh, James Harden sweepstakes and and I mean we we were just talking about it Cleveland can really go out there and start four centers and and Colin Sexton if they really wanted to because on their roster they have Jared Allen, JaVale McGee, Kevin Love and now they have Jared uh, did I say Jared Allen? Yeah but they have Andre Drummond remember? Oh Andre Drummond how could I forget the big drum yo they they just have a bunch of centers who needs a center because Cleveland is shopping. I guarantee you one of those players are moving. There's no way they're going to eat all that cap between four bigs. No way.
0: Well, here's the thing. And it'll be interesting to see who gets moved just because his name has always been kind of floated out in trade rumors before. It would be interesting to see if Cleveland moves Kevin Love. Kevin Love is kind of getting up there in age. Obviously he's had his health issues as well throughout the, the years in Cleveland. And it would shock me if they end up moving him to try to get a little bit younger at that position at that really that kind of like three slash four spot Send
1: him to Portland, send him to yeah. Portland, get Zach Collins out there in Cleveland. He'll be fine. He played against Zaga. Nobody cares about him. You put Kevin love at the four spot for the Portland trailblazers with Yerkage mellow, CJ and Dame. Dame, that is a that is a solid five right there. Like that yeah. is so solid. I mm-hmm. think that'd be I think that be fire.
0: And I mean, Kevin Love's the only one who's got a championship on that team. If he were end up getting traded out there, so he,
1: he definitely had veteran leadership.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I Kevin Love's just one of those those players that you you just love to have on your team. Just he, he's not like I wouldn't say that he's like the best player on the team, but you're going to get a hundred percent effort out of him and he's, he's going to be a good role model in that locker room. So he's, he's definitely, he's definitely what I would kind of consider like a good, like upstanding teammate to have on a team. And even if he doesn't get moved, I think having him on that team with all that young talent that they got in Cleveland right now, you know, having somebody like him in the locker room, that definitely, I think bodes well for the team moving forward if they end up keeping him, because at least he can at least give advice to a lot of these new guys who are just starting out their careers. But oh agreed. Agreed. It will be interesting to see what Cleveland does, just because they can't keep all those big guys on that same on that same team. They're gonna end they up can't. moving at least I, one, if not two. If
1: I if I had to make an assumption or a guess, I would say they probably move Allen. Allen is what we all know is a very, very, very prominent rim defender, and we do know a lot of contending playoff teams need a backup and or starting center. Um, my team is one of them. I would not mind Jared Allen coming to Dallas, you know, to to solidify the interior paint with Willie Chris Naples Porzingis, and Maxi Kleba. Uh, personally, I would ship off Dwight Powell because he's soft, straight up. Like the kid, the kid is just soft. Uh, he he plays like a guard, but he has the the, the vertical of a center. Like I don't know how to explain it, but. Dwight Powell needs to go. I would say Dallas, if you're listening, go get Jared. We, we, <laughs> we need we need some more assertive bigs. Willie Colleystein is great, but we can take Jared Allen on the back end, and we could limit Kristaps Porzingis at the five, continue to rotate him in the four spot, man. Keep him off the block as much as possible, unless need be. We don't need him guarding Anthony Davis at the five, or or who else is in the West? Oh, my God. You got, uh, well, you got Denver. Oh my God. You have Jokic. No, no Dallas. Listen to me. Do do what I'm telling you, please. Mark pull, pull the trigger. Pull the fucking trigger.
0: Yeah. I mean, they could, I mean, I'll tell you this. If, you, if you're looking at Cleveland right now, they would definitely get more uh, from trading Jared Allen than somebody like freaking JaVale McGee. So now it depends on what they want to do moving forward. They want to keep Allen and somebody that they could possibly add to the roster. You know they could definitely keep uh, Jared Allen, and they could ship freaking JaVale McGee. But they're not going to get anything back for him. So I think no, JaVale at McGee is gonna, probably one of those people you waive. Yeah, or or if you could trade him, maybe get like something, maybe get like a conditional pick back
1: for him, maybe. But that's he's a that's no, pretty much he's, it. That's he's he's on a vet it. minimum deal. They're not going to take any hit for that. And this, bye bye. But they got to do something Javon about. McGee all those is
0: useless. Yeah, but they got to do something about all those centers. So, but it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up getting, like you said, either waived. I mean, if, there, if somebody's able to pick him up, do it just to get him off your books. But I think Andre if, and Kevin if, are
1: staying because they're on contract. Man, they're they're they are getting paid fat amounts of money. I think those yeah. two stay unless someone's willing to eat it. That's why I think that Jared Allen is is definitely trade bait for somebody. But.
0: No, I mean, other than that, it's been – it's really been quite a day in the NBA. So, really, like, when the news broke that this trade was going down, I mean, Twitter just lit up over this. I mean, it's one of the really – one of the biggest woge bombs that we'll probably see all year, unless something rivals this. But I highly doubt it. I mean, everybody was kind of – it was kind of pretty much a certainty that, that Harden was going to be moved, especially after last night. And I remember even seeing reports this morning that – there was significant movement in him getting moved and sure enough by the literally, I think it was like kind of like the early afternoon. He was end up, he was end up, end in up ending, he ended up going to Brooklyn. So just, just overall just like a crazy day in the NBA. I mean, you know, other than that, that's pretty much all I have from here. Kev, is there anything else that you wanted to hit real quick before we wrap this up?
1: No, not really. I mean, I'm trying to think of, of something. Uh, I know there were discussions on uh, the NBA talking about uh, continuing to postpone games due to COVID. Uh, with the increase in COVID cases, I know we talked about it personally, and pretty much the entire league kind of getting hit as hard as possible. The NBA is getting hit harder than any other professional league. Do you think we, we, we may be... I don't know, put a pause on it for like a week or two, something because Joe, some of these teams don't have enough people, even with G, G League teams, to, to, to make a roster. Like Dallas had to postpone a game a few days ago because we didn't have enough on the roster because a player that played tested positive the next day or right after the game. Like mm-hmm. that's the negative with COVID. You're not gonna what? know until the results continue to come back and Results take a while, so I I, I don't know. I, I just feel for the safety of the players. Do we do we put the league on just a, a two week lockdown? And just let everybody get better, let everybody heal, and then and then find a way to adjust schedules to limit travel. I I don't know. The NBA's got to do something because they can't keep doing what they're doing.
0: Well, it it depends on what you mean by player safety, because if you're talking about James Harden. I don't think he gives two cents about what player safety is because he's spending most of his time in the club anyway. So yeah,
1: you ain't wrong. I,
0: I mean, so, you know, granted, you know, I imagine that there's a lot of players in the NBA that are trying to do their best to kind of limit or mitigate uh, exposure to COVID, but you can't say that for everybody. And pretty much as far as I'm concerned, I just don't see the NBA really shutting down unless there's a major spike in COVID cases across the entire league. I think what you're going to see, and we we talked about this uh, personally a couple days ago, is that you're going to see waves of COVID cases in and out of the league for the rest of the season. It's just going to happen. Major League Baseball saw the mm-hmm. same thing because like, I remember the basically the entire Marlins team was pretty much hit by, by COVID. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens moving forward with, with the NBA. But I, I just don't think that the NBA can really afford another shutdown just because, I mean, last year, they lost a significant amount of revenue from shutting down the season for basically six months. Now they were able to recoup some of that back because they were able to host the playoffs. It would have been even worse if they didn't host the playoffs last year. So they were able to recoup some of the money that they lost. But I mean, if they were to shut down the season for an indefinite amount of time to deal with the COVID thing, I I just don't know that the league is going to survive financially moving forward. I mean, there's always going to be money in the NBA, but, I mean, you're talking about a 40% to almost a like 50% reduction in revenue going into next season just because COVID has completely disrupted just the overall business of the NBA and then the actual individual teams. So there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money on the line here. I mean, you're talking about billions of dollars. It's not just the players, but you got all these TV contracts that the ESPN and then all these little smaller – TV uh, markets have to live up to. They put a lot of money into those contracts and they have to kind of see those contracts lived up to and just having them interrupted constantly because of COVID. I think they could do it last year just because everybody was still adjusting to COVID um, because nobody had ever seen anything like that before in their lifetimes. But I think right now is they're going to take the NBA is going to take the steps that it needs to take to kind of mitigate the risk associated with covid for their players, but I don't think that they're just going to shut down the league again because, oh, a couple players on one team or maybe two or three teams tested positive. Now, if there was a major spike that affected everybody, maybe then they would shut it down. But if it's only affecting maybe two or three teams, the best thing you can probably do is just postpone those games to a later date, try to find a way to reschedule those games later because the NBA kind of actually prepared for this because – they only sent out the first, the first the, half the first half of the schedule. So I believe that that schedule runs up to like the beginning of March, maybe like the first or just second week of March. Right before the break. So they're going to have to kind of figure things out to see what the second half is going to bring, because right now there's really only 36 games on the slate for all of these teams. But to me, I would just do away with the all-star game this year and use that time frame where the, the all-star game would traditionally be to make up some games. If they, if some of those games got postponed, at least then you can move them to that, that week where they host the all-star game and you could have those, those makeup games in that time in exchange for what the all-star break would really kind of bring. So yeah, you could remember, we still got to play the second half of the season. So facts, you know, I, I feel like it really is um, – it's really crucial for the NBA to get back on schedule. And they really want to try to get this season wrapped up before the Olympics. I think they're really trying to push for that. And then then they could start the 2021-2022 season on time. I really think that that's, that's what they're trying to do right now. And I just – I don't think that they can afford stopping the season because that would mean that the, the season could potentially run into the Olympics – And then it would screw up the beginning of the 2021, 2022 season. And I just think unless there's a major spike in cases that affects every single team, they are not going to shut down the league again. I just, I don't see that happening. I understand the safety for the players, but I think, I think the NBA has a decent plan set in place. They're going to deal with the, the risks as best they can with COVID, but unless there's dire, There's like a dire situation where every team is affected by this. They're not going to shut down the league again. I just do not see that happening. It would really shock me if they did though.
1: Fair enough. I mean, good points to all of it. The revenue and the business. I know we're not going to get into it right now because, you know, this is going to be a short episode, but I know there were talks about potentially expanding to two more NBA teams to substitute and, and increase revenue once again in certain cities. But, you know, there's no fruition or, or, or fluidity or validity. Val, validity. Validity. I always, validity. Validity. Shit. There's no validity behind those rumors, and there's no actual substantial evidence to support those theories. So, I mean, if it does happen, I'm a big fan of bringing the supersonics back. That's, That's just what my I was opinion. Say. Um, you know, if you want to open up another team in another state, another city, I'm here for it. I don't give a shit. But, you know, I know that that was just something circulating around the league and, you know, rumor mills around the world saying, oh, well, the NBA might bring two teams into it. So that that's, that's my thought on substituting for, for revenue in the future if they do lose a lot this year.
0: I mean, you could bring the team like freaking like, – you could put Seattle in the mix. You could put Las Vegas in the mix. Um, Vegas would be fire. Vegas would be cool. I mean, they already have one in Sacramento. They already have one in San Francisco um yeah the big I states think-
1: already have them put it in vegas
0: yeah they i mean vegas just added a football team i think adding a basketball team would be great they just they just added a hockey team too so
1: vegas would yeah. be stupid bread bro yeah. oh man that's so, that's a fire point kyle good shit vegas be yeah great. that's i mean
0: Three they new already franchise
1: added- expansion teams and what probably five six years get out of here bro. vegas would be overloaded yeah so
0: but but the thing is it would be It'd be interesting to see how, how something like that would come to fruition because obviously, you know, you just can't start a brand new team with young new guys. Obviously, there's going to be some some players that are going to be moved from some of the teams to kind of help Vegas get started. So that's what they did with um, with the Vegas Golden Knights. They kind of did like almost like a little draft where players from cool. certain teams – yeah, like where players from essentially the entire league – maybe like one player from one team or two players from another team. They were drafted to Vegas and then Vegas ended up fielding the team that they had really just based off of players that were on other rosters at the time. So that way they weren't starting behind the eight ball. And that's what they would probably do the same thing with a team like in Vegas or a team in Seattle. They would do something similar to that if that's what they wanted to to do down the road. But it's a cool rumor. I'd love to see it happen, but I don't think that it's going to happen anytime soon. You got to, you got to no, and you have to find people that are willing to invest that amount of capital into starting a basketball team. So and something like that is not, is not easy. So, but who knows, you know, in a couple of years, LeBron might be retired. LeBron might retire. And then he could start uh, owning his own franchise if he wanted to. So I know that's something that he's definitely floated around in the past before. And if the timing's right and they can find, a certain amount of investors to, to pitch in and, and get that team started wh- wherever it may be. That's something that, you know, that LeBron could consider. That'd be fine. Would not surprise me. Would not surprise me in any way, shape, or form.
1: It wouldn't surprise me at all. But other than that, Big Dog uh, pretty much wraps it up for us today, don't you think?
0: I think so. So um, pretty much this is just, this was just based off of the the breaking news that we saw with the James Harden trade, obviously. We wanted you guys to get our own takes. Obviously, Kev has his own podcast with the 104601 podcast. I have mine with the Home Field Podcast. Eventually, some point down the road, there's a very high likelihood that we will probably conjoin both of our podcasts together. More than likely it'll be probably this year at some point. Um, we'll just have to iron out the details, you know, figure out, you know, what the name's gonna be, what the logo might be, how we're gonna be able to set this up. But you guys will definitely be expecting more content from us moving forward, and until that time where we can join the podcast, um, it's just going to kind of be like these collaborations here and there between me and Kevin, and then maybe some guests um, here and there on on our own podcast. But don't be surprised by the, at least by the end of the year if Kevin and I have our podcast can join together under a new name and probably with a new logo as well. So. That's definitely something to um, pay attention to moving forward. With that said, that wraps it up on my end,
1: Kev. It's all you. Hey, man! If, if the collaboration and you know the con- the conjoined podcast idea works, uh, you know my people got to get with well, your people. We got to fizzle out the the the. What do people say? You got to iron out all the details and whatnot. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I'm down. The audience seems to to really gravitate towards whenever we combine our podcast. So I mean, why not give them what they want? Uh, if you have any ideas, I know Kyle's got the YouTube. You know, write down some comments for one hundred and one in the home field podcast. You know, send us logos, send us designs. We'll listen to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, we are two open minded people, obviously. Be a little respectful. Don't be crazy. But I mean, like I said, you know, drop ideas down in the comment section on Kyle's page and we will definitely look at them.
0: For sure, man. With that said, you guys that'll wrap this up. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And with that said, take it easy, you guys. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day?